It uh, is good to see you and it is good to be with you today. Um, I won't be able to be with you next Sunday uh, during the, the Super Bowl, so uh, just so we're all clear about this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put it on the altar, you know. <laughs> Oops, let me grab my, <laughs> they're going to need it. <laughs> so uh, in case you didn't know, my family and I spent almost 20 years in Kansas City, so we have a definite opinion about the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, welcome. I am so glad that, that you're here. And to those that join us online, thank you so much uh, for joining us, whether you're live or whether you see us in the archive, we're glad that you're with us too. Um, we have uh, been in a sermon series uh, that we're calling, oops, let me get this turned on here. Uh, the, the, oops. <laughs> Sorry, the Father's heart uh, is love, and we have been walking through First uh, John uh, together, and so um, I'm going to continue in that uh, this week, and we're going to uh, be in First John chapter three together. Uh, but the the topic uh, in in this is there's First John. There's a picture of John. We don't really know what John looked like, but there's there's an idea for you. Um, just a couple of things before we jump into the full part of it. I, I do want to remind you a little bit of the context, because context is really important uh, in these situations. And um, John wrote all of his stuff very, very late in life. In fact, uh, the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John were probably written within a, a pretty close period of time, the book of Revelation. All of those uh, write really close. Uh, John uh, started out as a, probably the youngest follower of Jesus. He was probably a teenager uh, when he was following Jesus. Uh, and now he is elderly. You know, I was young and now I am old. Anyone want to say amen right there? You know, so, um, so he has followed Christ all of his life, uh, really. Uh, he has uh, seen the, the, the persecution. He's seen the good days, the bad days. He's seen uh, most of the other, probably all of the other disciples have now passed away. Uh, and he is the last living, breathing. Thank you. People are worried about me. <laughs> last living, breathing um, example of, of the apostles, the last one who speaks with authority just because he speaks uh, with authority. And so the church has changed a lot. A lot of the people that were there uh, for Pentecost and the early days of the church have since gone on to heaven uh, at this point. And a lot of the people who have become followers of Christ uh, don't have any memory of those early days. And so there's, there's been struggle. There's been, there's been struggle. Um, you know, some people have left. In fact, a lot of the book of John uh, talks about a group of people that left, uh, they had been in the church, and then they left, and they became false teachers. Uh, they eventually become what we call the Gnostics, which is a, a group that believes very differently a, about God. Um, and so John is kind of coming to the end of his life, and he really wants to communicate what's important about the gospel. He's lived it a long, long time. And I, I'll tell you, I haven't lived long, as long as John has, but, but at this stage in my life, when I reflect on my 20s, and I followed Christ in my 20s, some of the stuff I thought was important then isn't as important as I thought it was. And, and some of the stuff I didn't think all that was all that important is, is really, really, really important. The, the good thing is that with age, we sometimes gain wisdom, amen? And so, so the book John, all of his stuff is, is about wisdom. It's about deep reflection. And, and Paul kind of laid out the philosophical uh, foundation of Christianity and John kind of says this is what it should look like in real life for, for all the rest of us this is what it's it's really about and in fact what he's going to talk about is this idea of of real love real love there, there are lots of words for love right in in our language and we talk about all kinds of different kinds of 
of love, you know. Uh, the first experience with love is the thing we kind of call puppy love, you know. How many of you experienced puppy love in junior high somewhere, you know? Oh, come on, more you should be raising your hands. I, you know, we, we, we all had that first, like, wow, my whole world circulates around this person, you know. And, and, and everybody wants, wants love. We all want that. No one wants to have fake love, you know. But, but just one of the realities of, of, of puppy love is that at some point it comes to an end, you know. And you, you remember that first kind of either break up with that first boyfriend, girlfriend, or when your love was rejected when you were in middle school. Was I the only one that experienced that? You guys, like, you guys got it all together. Why am I preaching to you, you know? You know? I, I remember my first real, real experience with, um, with the, that, that piece of it was um, in, in middle school, junior high back then. And um, I, there, there was a girl in school named Katie, and I'm not going to give you more than that because there's some people that went to school with me here. <laughs> so, but, but Katie was like, she was the cheerleader, and she was... You know, if you ever watched the cheesy kind of movies, you know, about growing up, you know, where when she would walk into the room, it would, you know, and the, the lights would go on, and, you know, it was, and virtually all the guys are like, you know, she was, she was it. Every, every guy in school was in love with, with, with Katie, and, uh, and, and she's like way, way out of my, my league. You know, I'm kind of the nerdy, doofy guy, you know. But I, but I joined the football team, and I played football, and at the end of the year, uh, football season, um, they, they had a banquet that was a dance, of course, um, and, and I remember going to that, uh, which, which is kind of a contradiction in terms, because I grew up as a Nazarene, and if there's anything I can't do, it's dance, you know, the Lord will have to heal me for the, me to dance in heaven, um, and, and so I'm sitting there with all my nerdy, goofy friends at this table while the, they're doing all the award sorts of things, and, and they, they kind of get done with that, and they turn the lights down, and the dance starts, right, and and all of us are like, <laughs> okay, I told you I was a nerd, all right? I, I, I can't help it, you know? And, and so we're kind of sitting there doing that. And, and in the midst of this, Katie gets up from her table, the cool table, right? She was a cheerleader, so she was there. Um, and, and she gets up and she starts walking towards our table. So it's like, oh, yeah, you know? You know? Oh, like you guys didn't do that too, Okay. And she walks over to the table, and I was on the end, and she literally walks up and says, dance with me, right? And, and, and I had a Hollywood moment, oh, you know, and I was like, wow, Katie asked me to dance with her. It was so cool. So I, 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 against my better judgment, I got up, and she danced, and I wiggled, <laughs> you know, and we kind of went through the whole thing, you know, and, and. I'm thinking, like, I am the coolest guy. I have arrived socially. I'm going to be at the cool table. All of my friends are going to envy me. This, this is it. I have arrived, and I am, I am deeply in love. We're going to have babies together, you know? <laughs> the dance got over, and she went back to the cool table, and I went back to the nerd table. And I, I sat down, and they're all like, <laughs> Then we looked over at the cool table. And the whole table was pointing at me and laughing. The, the whole purpose of that exercise was to embarrass the goofy guy. And I discovered what real love was not. <laughs> and that, that was, it, it took, I swore off women for a long time, okay? 
you know. Now, the, the end of that story is not that story. The end of that story is that in college, I ran into this green-haired gal that turned my world upside down. And I discovered what real love was, romantically. And I, I, uh, I have been married for 35 years. <laughs> Happily for all of those. Uh, and I, married, I still married way ahead of my station in, in life. And I'm so thankful for that. But, but it, it, did, it did teach me that, that there's a lot of things we think of of love that aren't really love. Amen? There's all kinds of... And, it, and that's just in the romantic area. It lasts... An, in, in all sorts of ways. And so I'm going to kind of give you the, the headline for John and, and real love, and then we're going to kind of walk through it. So what, what this whole passage in John chapter 3 talks about uh, is this. Real love makes a difference. Real love makes a difference in the lives of the people you love. Okay? The, Katie did not, well, she kind of made a difference in my life, but not in a positive way, you know? But, but Jody changed my life. It, real love does what is in the best interest of the person they love. You hear me? It, it's not a feeling. It's, it's not an emotion. Real love does what is in the best interest of the person they love. In fact, it's, at its heart, it's unselfish. It, it's giving. It, it's sacrificial. It, it cares. It, it, it matters more to them that the person that they love experience joy in life than it does that they experience it. Real love makes a difference. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, uh, and we're going to look at verses 11 uh, through 18 together. Um, and and th this is going to be, uh, you just need to strap in for a minute, okay? This is going to be one of those sermons where we're going to really kind of dig into a text because this text is so rich. And, and it's good in English, but in the original language, there's some really deep, wonderful, nuanced kind of meaning. And so um, I, I apologize, but I'm going to make you think. Okay, no, man, I don't apologize. I'm going to make you think, okay? Because we believe that, that you, you should think in, in the faith. We, we don't believe that you should check your brain at the door when you come to church, amen? There, there are plenty of churches like that that don't want you to think. That is not what we believe. We believe God gave you a brain, and he expects you to use it. Okay, let me try again. God gave you a brain, he expects you to use it. I, I'm baiting you into this because I'm about to make you work really hard, okay? So, so just uh, hold on. On the back of your notes, if you write down notes, the scripture is there. Because you might want to reference it back and forth. Or if you have a, uh, an electronic Bible, you might want to look at that, pull that out. Or if you uh, have a regular old paper, paper Bible, uh, pull that out as well. Because we're going we're gonna to kind of dig in. Uh, a little bit today. So uh, let's begin. 1 John 3, uh, 11 through 12 says this, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. I just want to pause there for a minute. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. This is the last living apostle, okay? And we believe that the apostles were given the message of Christ. That's what the Bible is, is it's a record of the apostles uh, speaking. Jesus didn't write anything down, okay? We should love one another. Let's read that line together. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so uh, just to walk through this a little bit, John, John has kind of got a message that he's sending out to all of these churches, especially in this first part. 
For this is the message you heard from the beginning. And, and if I, I could say it in a modern way, I, I would say it like this. Don't pretend like having to love each other is a surprise. Don't pretend that having to love each other is a surprise. If you've been a follower of Jesus, you have heard from the beginning, love one another. Amen? Amen. Say, love one another. No, 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 not love one another. Love one another, okay? Let's try it again. Love one another. Yes, and John is saying to them, from the very beginning, from the beginning of Jesus' message until now, all these decades, decades, decades later, the message has not changed. We must love one another. When Jesus was asked to bottom line the whole thing, he said, love God with your whole being, love the people around you like family, and build all of your religion on this. And that message has never, ever changed in all of those. And so don't pretend when the Holy Spirit brings someone into your life that's hard to love that Jesus said to you, love that person. Don't go, what are you talking about, Lord, man? You changed the rules on me. God has always wanted you to love the people that are difficult in your life. Boy, did that cut the amens down. <laughs> like, two of you are like, amen, you know, okay, I suppose that's maybe, that's maybe right, you know. Because the, the test of love is not that you love the people that love you back, right? It is easy for me to love my wife and my kids and my friends. The, the test of love is when I run up against brothers and sisters in Christ that it's hard to love. Not that any of you here are hard to love. <laughs> but but that's, that's where the, the test is. And don't act like that's a surprise. Don't act like God is laying on you some extra burden because he's asking you to love somebody that's difficult to love. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. Love one another, okay? And, and then he goes on to do this crazy illustration about Cain and Abel. You remember Cain and Abel, they're Adam and Eve's children, and, and they're off making offerings to God, and evidently their religion didn't go very well, and Cain got really upset, and he killed Abel. He killed his brother. Can you imagine, Okay. Can you imagine what it is to have one sibling kill another? And, and, and the message that John has in here is, is this, that the absence of love will rupture the family. It, it'll destroy the family. Absence of love is, is destructive. In fact, he makes a direct connection between the absence of love and murder. For John, the absence of love equals evil. That's what, that's what evil is. For him, And so he's kind of started out with a really strong kind of, kind of hard message. And don't pretend like I didn't tell you to love, okay? And the absence of love is, is disastrous for your life and for your family and for the people you care about. And he goes on to say uh, in verse 13, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. That one's really straightforward. How do you know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other? Anyone who does not love remains in death. Now let me open this up a little bit. The word there for surprised in English uh, carries the idea of something we didn't know happening to us. But the original word actually carries the idea of wonder or marvel. Okay? It's like, I can't believe it, right? But what do you say? saying to them here in this passage is that, that, that don't, don't be surprised when, when people are, don't think you're the greatest thing in the world, okay? I mean, we know we're really great, but don't be surprised when the world says those Christians, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, they're just kind of, don't, 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 don't 
think that that's a strange sort of thing. That, that happens. And then it says, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The word for hate there uh, is maseo. Say maseo. Yeah. Um, so let me put that up here. Uh, maseo. Uh, but it actually carries the meaning of detest or love or esteem less. Or here's some of the hard ones. Disregard or treat with indifference. In English, it's really emotive and it's really adversarial. But, but the original word isn't quite as adversarial a, a, as that. It, it really carries the idea, not so much of I hate someone or they hate us, but the idea that they just disregard us. That they, they, they treat us with indifference. We, we just don't matter. In some ways, I think that represents the way it is in the world today. And people like really hated Christians, you know, and there, you still run into those out there. But what scares me much more than that is the idea that the church of Jesus Christ and Christians have just been moved to the side and it just doesn't matter anymore. That, that, that we're irrelevant to what's going on. That we have nothing to say to the world. It's not even that they hate what we have to say. It is that they don't care what we have to say. And when I, I read this, I thought, man, that describes the world we live in today. Do, do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world doesn't care what you think. Treat you with indifference. In, in, in fact, I'll say it like this. Don't be surprised if the world thinks you are irre, irre, irrelevant and ignores you. That's, that's the way it is. That, so, so John describes this. So this is the first century. This isn't today. In the first century, it had already begun where the church was just irrelevant, where the message of Christianity was just irrelevant. And it's harder to get an audience if the message is irrelevant. And so John wants to say this then about this idea of loving. Love is the distinguishing characteristic of spiritual life. It's the thing that sets us, sets us aside. Uh, love is, is life-giving. It, it, it is the essence of spirituality. We live in a world where people have these words that are not from the Christian church about this, and it's spiritual. You want to know what spiritual is? Spiritual is experiencing a loving God. Spiritual is, is being like Him. And it, it is this idea that, that, that life comes from spirituality. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Okay? That this, this, this love that we have in ourselves and then he goes on to say, not only is, is life uh, connected to spirituality, and not only is love spirituality, and before I put this next slide up, do not call the DS until I get done with this sermon, okay? Because I'm about to say something that's maybe a, a, a little irreverent, but I'm trying to get an idea across here for you, and that is this. Not loving is to be a spiritual zombie. <laughs> to be alive, but dead, Right? So, so John is saying, he wouldn't use the word spiritual zombie, but, but he was saying that, that there's a sense in which you can, you can be alive, but, but you're dead because you don't have love, because you don't have the spiritual life going on in you. And, and for him, the, the love is to remain or abide in us. And while being physically alive is what he's talking about. And then we'll, I'm going to spread this out and get this a little bit more here. So the next verse then says, anyone who hates, Maseo, a brother or sister is a murderer. Wow, he, this is a hard message from John. And so for John, the idea here is that Maseo equals murderer. 
And he's kind of referencing back to Cain and Abel. Remember how he kind of started with that illustration? That, that, that if you don't love in your heart, if you disregard your brothers and sisters, if you think less of them or you love them less, you have committed the equivalent of murder in your heart. Wow, got real quiet in here. That's a hard teaching, and yet it's an, it's an important one because he's saying this business of not loving, this business of maseo, this business of, of disregarding or setting aside or ignoring or thinking irrelevant our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is serious stuff, and we're accountable for our hearts. Can, can I lean in just a little bit here? When you're a new believer, the things you need to clean up in your life are usually on the outside. You know, there's, there's just things that you were doing, especially if you come to Christ as, a, as an adult, and, and the Lord says, hey, I want you to clean that up, I want you to clean that up, I want you to do that. You sometimes struggle with bigger temptations. But when you have walked with the Lord for a longer period of time, the, the struggles are inside. I, I said this before, I, it's been a long time since I've been tempted to rob a bank. You know, when, when I go into a grocery store, I feel no temptation to shoplift. <laughs> you know, it just, it's not in me. I, I'm not tempted to cheat on my wife. I, I don't cheat on my taxes. There's just been a lot of that external stuff that's been cleared up. But you know where I struggle? My attitude sometimes. The temptation to treat people with less love. The temptation to treat them with indifference. To ignore them. And the word from John is hard. He says, that's murder. Anyone else want me to move on to the next verse? <laughs> and then he goes on to say, And you know that no murderer has entered eternal life, has eternal life residing in him. And, and there's a play on words here, and, and you guys, the first century people would have got this, but for you it's a little harder here. A Greek has several words for life, and you have to know these, and that's why this passage is is really powerful, we open it up. So, so you have to know which word is being used. So in Greek, uh, one of the words for life uh, is this word, and in Greek it would be bios. Well, how would you say it in English? Bios, yeah. And it is the word from which we get in English bio or biological, life that's, a, that's alive. And this would refer to grass or things like that that are alive, but don't really have any kind of personality uh, at all. And so that's one of the words. And then uh, another one of the words uh, is a word that we would say suhe. Say suhe. How would we say that in English? Psych, yeah, from which we get psychological, uh, all of those sorts of things. And this actually refers to a slightly higher form of life. This is a form of life that actually has thoughts, like grass doesn't have thoughts. You cannot carry on a conversation with a plant, okay? Some of you aren't convinced, okay? <laughs> so, so here's my standard. You can talk to your plants. But if your plants talk to you, come see me, okay? Because <laughs> give me something to work out. However, a dog, you can have a relationship with a dog, can't you? You know? And you look at it, it'll do what you kind of do what you say, you know, if you train it enough, roll over, do that. Don't do that, you know. I, I had a dog that I think it, they, it thought its name was no-no. <laughs> so much. But but you can you can have you can have a relationship with a dog. In, in, in fact, one of my great sources of theology is America's funniest home videos. You know? So have you seen the ones where they, you know, they, the videos where the dogs have tore up something in the house and just wrecked it at all, you know, and they got the video and they look at the dogs and like, especially if there's two of them there and it's like, 
okay, who did this, you know, and one of the dogs is doing this, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> walking off, you know, the other dog's like, <laughs> you know? and so you know which dog did it, right, they feel, they feel guilt, there's a relationship there, you, you can have a relationship with a dog, and some people say you can have a relationship with a cat, I'll just take your word for it, um, <laughs> so, sorry if you have cat, cat lovers out there, cats are fine, but that was too easy a line, so. So then there's a third word that really, we don't have an English word, and, and that word is zoe. Say zoe. And this, this refers to spiritual life. That thing that goes beyond the biological and the psychological. That, that thing that, that, that matters. It, it's what the, the life that Jesus talked about when he said, you will have life and that more abundantly, right? He, he didn't mean you'd have more abundant biological life that you'd live for 200 years. He, he didn't mean that you'd have more abundant psychological life that you'd all more abundant spiritual life there's something that's alive in us eternal life what I call real life the life that matters the life in that and so this this is the life that he gives us I, I, I and you know that that no murderer has eternal life has zoe life you'll often see it translated as eternal life and they're they're indicating zoe in, in there re residing in them and so John says there's a, there's this problem there's this maseo, this indifference, this loving less, this, this, this ignoring of, of people. And then there is the life of Christ, Zoe, this thing that's eternal that God has put into you, that God breathed in you when you were born and that God brought to life in a new way when you became a follower of Jesus. And you go, wow, there's this great thing. I, I love it. And I, I really, really believe in Zoe because I've seen it over and over again. When people become followers of Jesus, suddenly they just hunger for spiritual things. Just the word of God. They're like, Pastor, do you know what's in this Bible? And I'm like, yeah, kind of I do. <laughs> you know, I was praying in this great thing. That Zoe did. And, and so John gives us a, a, a warning, and, and that is this. Maseo and Zoe cannot live together. Just as Cain murdered Abel, Maseo will murder Zoe. It will destroy your life. You can have Maseo and biological life, you know. You cannot care about people and have psychological life, although I would argue over time that's going to eat at who you are. But you absolutely cannot have Maseo and Zoe dwelling together is what it says. The word for dwelling there is setting up house together or living together because Maseo will always murder Zoe. What a hard truth. That is for us. Ready to move on to the good stuff now? <laughs> please, Pastor, please move on. Okay, here is verse 16. This is where it gets good. Verse 16. This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And even for me. Uh, did you hear what I said? Let me try this again, okay? Is my microphone working? Okay. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Yes, that's great news. And, and the cool thing, the word for know here, it, when we use the English word know, we tend to think about facts and information, you know. How many of you know how much 2 plus 2 is? Wow, we're going to need some math classes in our church. We got some engineers in here. That's kind of scary. <laughs> That, that, that's knowledge. The word for know here actually is a word that's used for intimate knowledge of someone. 
for personal connected knowledge. It's not just the facts. It's, it's knowing them in a deep relationship. It's that's used for marriage to know one another. And I don't know how it works in your marriage, but I'm telling you, there's nobody that knows me better than Jody. Okay? Y'all need to pray for her because she carries a heavy load having to know me like that. Okay? You know, that, 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 this, and so when he says, this is how we know what love is, he's not saying this is so you get the right, right answer on a test. This is how you experience real love. This is what it looks like to have life and that more abundantly. This is what it is like that Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. And he made possible real life, abundant life, Zoe life in your life. This is the definition of Christian love, laying down one's life for the people we love. See, Jesus defined, agape was a word that was used in the ancient world. And it had this, kind of this, this highest form uh, of love, unconditional love is sometimes the way people talk about it. But Jesus took that and he moved it to a whole other level. He says, I'm going to define this for my followers. And for my followers, this is what agape means. I will lay down my life for you. Despite all of that other stuff, despite the fact that we struggle with Maseo and, 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 and we sometimes don't get it with this other piece, he says, oh, I love you so much that I will lay down my life for you. And, and there's an interesting thing, this is just kind of a side note into Greek, when it talks here, when it says that he will lay down his life for us. Want to guess what word for life that is? I'm going to just give it to you because I can't hear you. I'm getting old, okay? It, it's the psyche word. So, so here's, the, here's the interesting part in this verse, just to kind of open this up a little bit for you. It, it's the idea that, that, that Christ laid down his bio, and he laid down, he died in his psyche, he gave up all of that, but he did not lay down his zoe. And it was the zoe life of Christ that the Father said, rise, my child, and live. And so he laid aside all this stuff that we think is so important so that he could give the Zoe to us so that we could live forever. And so a couple of things real quickly uh, here about, about Christians' understanding of love. Number one, the Christian biblical love is a verb. Amen? It's not a noun. It's a verb. It, it, it's, it's not the feelings. The feelings come if you have, have the Zoe love. I hope that you have uh, or agape love. I hope you have agape love for your spouse. Because if you have agape love for your spouse, you will have the feelings. But if all you pursue is the feelings, you'll never get around to the agape love. Because pursuing the feelings for themselves is ultimately selfish. Amen? To agape loving you, laying their lives down, you will experience the feelings. And then, excuse me, Christian biblical love is, a sacrificing, is sacrificing for someone else. It is giving ourselves away. Jesus sacrificed everything for us. His very life. And so then the scripture goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to lay down our psyche is the word again. You, you don't sacrifice your spiritual life, but in this life, in our biological life, in our thinking life, we give to one another. We care for one another. We love one another with self-sacrifice. Somebody say amen in here, okay? Because we are family. Don't let me make me do that whole YMCA. Family and all things. I'll do it. I'll bear show also. Say, we are family. Yes. 
And, and so the idea then goes on to, uh, to this. Now that you know what love is, you should follow Jesus' example. That, that we should do what he did. That, that we love with our actions and the people around us. That, that we, we give up our, our lives, our, our psyche, our, our energy to, to serve others. And, and, and having said all that, I just want to make a side note kind of coming out of the last one. Uh, boundaries are sometimes a part of loving difficult people. Man, because that's what's good for them. Love does what's in the best interest of the other person. So when I say you are to love, I'm not saying that you let people run over you. Because that's not good for you. And it's not good for them either. Amen? It goes back to this fundamental idea of I discipline my children not because I dislike them or I hate them, but because I love them, I discipline them. Amen? And, that, that, and that's a, a part of this. And so um, let me jump into the next, the application here. John says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Now, a lot of times when we see this word pity, people read this verse and they think, well, I'm supposed to like, give them everything they need and that, that homeless person, I got to give them all my money and I got to do all this in the church and I have to find ways to just, and it just kind of like without bounds. That's actually not what's being talked about here. The word pity here is splogna. Say splogna. Yeah, and it actually refers to the guts or the bowels. Now you're going, why would we talk about the guts or the bowels? But ancient people saw love coming out of the heart. But remember, it wasn't an emotion, it was an action, right? But they saw strong emotions coming out of the gut. So, so next time you read this, this is just a little, I just wanted to do this so you could all go, guts and bowels, ooh. And you're all taking it so well, it's very disappointing, so. <laughs> so, whoops, I just shut my thing off here. Um, and, and so the idea here is that when, we, when they use the word pity here, they're actually talking about this idea uh, that, that you should have empathy for people in the body of Christ, that you should care about how they're doing and what's going on in their life. So let me get this back here. Um, and, and so uh, within the body of Christ, we should care how others are doing, right? So let, let me say this the way I think works for our, our generation. If it doesn't break your heart to see a brother or sister in need, you are not as spiritual as you think. It doesn't mean you can fix the situation, okay? It, it doesn't mean that you can make it all better. You could throw all of your money at some of the situations. You could throw all of your energy and expertise. You could give your whole life over to it and never fix it. The verse does not talk about fixing people. It talks about caring about people. Understand? Love cares uh, about people. Uh, it, it's, it's what we're all about. And, and it's the way God cares about you. And then uh, another part about this, verse 18 goes on to say, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I care about you. I will do something about it to help you. And notice in this, I love this thing. Dear children, notice John has come back to that family language. He starts out with Cain and Abel, a family that went horribly wrong. And he comes back now around, if you'll get a hold of this love thing and get it in your life, if you'll have empathy for your brothers and sisters, then you are, you are family again, dear, dear children. Uh, dear, let us not love with words, but with actions and, and in truth. So, so here's the bad news. Lack of empathy for our brothers and sisters in Christ is a spiritual problem. And it requires a spiritual answer. The good news is they give us a way to rebuild it, and that is this. Love makes a difference. Love does something. It may not be what the other person wants, but it's probably what they need. Amen? 
That's, that's how we're to love one another, to, to help them in, in, in that way, to, to do it. Love does something. Love makes a difference. Say, love makes a difference. And so he calls us to be like Jesus. Jesus came in our need and made a difference in us, and he calls us to do the same. So let me ask you this question. Where can I make a difference this week, month, year? Where can you make a difference? It looks different. Everybody has different gifts and graces. What it means for you to make a difference in somebody's life is different than what it means for me. It's people that are different from me. It may be that when I put this up there, God brought to mind somebody. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe you just need to go say, man, man, I'm, I'm for you. Maybe you need to say to them, I'm praying for you. I, I'm just praying for you. Even, even unbelievers, when they're in difficult times and you say, I'm praying for you, man, that's powerful. It just, it's powerful. I, I, I would love if we could be a church that's known for praying with people who are not believers. We just say, listen, you, know, you don't have to do anything spiritual or touch them on anything. Just say, I'm praying for you, brother. I'm just, I'm praying for you. I, God wants, I know God wants his best for you. Because God wants his best for everybody. Amen? Okay? So, so where, where can you make a difference this week? Because ultimately, making a difference is life. That's what it's about. Everywhere Jesus went, he left people better. I, that's, that's just for the last year or so, that's just been my thing. Everywhere Jesus went, he left people better. He didn't cure everybody. He didn't heal everybody. But everywhere he went, he left people better. If our musicians would come... The, the truth of the matter is this. I, I, I want us to be this kind of love church. I, I've, I've said this a thousand times before. We are never going to be the coolest church in town because you're stuck with me, okay? <laughs> Although I'm kind of working on it. I, I got the bald hair. My, my shirt is untucked, and I now have four tats, okay? <laughs> so I think I'm falling in the cool category. They're, they're little tiny specks of, of tats on my thigh, but that's it, but... We may never be the coolest church, but we can be the most loving church in town.